to the rest of the world, I guess uh, Christmas is long over, the holiday season is long over, Um, but to us in the life of the church, this holiday season, and I say holiday because it's uh, several different observances all wrapped into one sort of big package, uh, is now sort of coasting towards an end. We, We begin with the season of Advent, where we count down the weeks and prepare our churches and our homes and our hearts to receive the Lord in his birth. At Christmas, we have 12 days to celebrate that. And now with Epiphany, we welcome the three wise men and today commemorate the baptism of Christ. And you can see uh, this sort of reflected in the, the look of our church as it grew progressively more ornate with the de- decor. And now that's this sort of um, fading back to what it's, it normally looks like, which is still beautiful. But nonetheless, I think the greenery will be gone by next week. And the color will change next week as well, back to uh, the green of what is called ordinary time. But the important thing here is that we end up this big, long string of of preparation and celebration with the idea of the baptism of Christ. So we've gone from the birth in the stable. We fast-forwarded possibly about two years to his Uh, childhood when the three magi arrived in Jerusalem and uh, went to the home of the Holy Family, and now to his adulthood, completely skipping over the childhood part. Of course, we we know almost nothing about the childhood of Christ, and come to the part where he partakes in the baptism of John. Now, uh, baptism and the Holy Eucharist are, of course, what we call the two dominical sacraments because they are the two in which Jesus Christ himself participated. Others, such as marriage and ordination, came later. But, <clears throat> but these two sacraments uh, sort of exist in harmony with one another, and they're central to the life of every Christian. So you see, not every Christian gets ordained, not every Christian uh, gets married. So, you know, not every sacrament, the other sacraments don't all apply to everybody, but these two certainly are central to the life of each and every Christian. And so Jesus goes to John out in the wilderness who has been baptizing people. John is something of a celebrity and lots of people are flocking out to see him. He's sort of a strange character. He wears camel hair, hide and he eats locusts and wild honey and he presumably shouts a lot out in the wilderness and people are going to hear what he is saying and we consider him to be the last in the great line of prophets foretelling the coming of the Messiah. Indeed he's blood relation uh, to Jesus himself. He would have been Jesus's cousin and so Jesus himself goes out, along with all the other people, to the wilderness to to see John. And he approaches John about being baptized. And John is a little shocked and taken aback. He says, I think what all of us would say, you should baptize me. But Jesus insists. And so John baptizes him in the Jordan. And as he rises out of the water, the voice of God is heard to say, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And so what does this mean for us? Of course, baptism uh, has its roots in the ancient Jewish rites of purification, the ritual baths. The difference, one of the differences being that those ritual baths take place over and over again throughout the life 
of an observant Jew. For us Christians, baptism takes place once and for all. Now, if you go to the River Jordan, to the baptism site, you will see lots and lots of people getting it down and dunking themselves into the water. Some of them are actually getting baptized. Others just want to be there and experience getting into the river and coming back out. Um, And all throughout the the many, many gift shops of the Holy Land, uh, you'll see a strange garment, which I didn't understand until I saw it in use. It's sort of a knee-length T-shirt with a big decal on the front that has some sort of image of Christ. Well, these are baptismal robes that people put on, and uh, it it leaves nothing to the imagination, let's put it that way, when they come out of the water. So it's a little bit shocking to see that, but, uh, but there, the river is filled with people going down there to, to just be in that spot and feel that water on them, as, to be as close as they can to the baptism of their Lord. That one spot where it all started, where it spread throughout the world. Now, every church throughout the world has a font in it. So this baptism, not unlike the transfiguration. Remember, they were on the mountain, and uh, Peter says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us build shrines. And Jesus says, no, that's not what we're about. We must go. We must always go. And so the same thing with baptism. You don't have to go to the River Jordan to be baptized. Any place, any church, any, uh, any Christian can baptize another Christian in uh, an emergency situation. I don't know if you know that, uh, but there is, in our prayer book, of course, there's a a provision for emergency baptism. You need clean water, you need the Lord's Prayer, and uh, baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and it's done. So you don't have to have a priest. It's, of course, nice to have it in the church, and we, we, uh, we look at baptism as the full right of initiation as a Christian, so it is appropriate, of course, that it takes place in the church as part of the principal Sunday service, and we always aim for that. But it's so central, it's so important to us as Christians that in an emergency situation, any of you could baptize any other person and make them a new Christian. And so what happens when we are baptized? Why did Jesus do this? Why did Jesus give us the example, and why did he tell us to go out into the world baptizing and making disciples in his name? Because I liken it to something like ordination. When one is ordained, uh, there's a point in the service in which uh, he or she kneels down before the bishop, the bishop lays hands on, and all the other uh, priests or presbyters who are present come and lay their hands on, and sometimes it's called the holy huddle, but you feel the, the weight on your head from these hands. It's, it's a heavy weight, I think on purpose. And the bishop says the prayer, the hands are removed, and you stand up, and on the one hand, you're the same person you always were, with the same uh, body and the same personality and, you know, fun things and defects and all that stuff that goes into making you human. But something has changed that will always be changed for the rest of your life. And so it is with baptism that when we uh, go down into uh, the River Jordan, literally, or if we're at a font in a church and are sprinkled with a little bit of water, we go down 
to the death of sin, which Jesus Christ himself did for us. And we come up like him, raised in something new. Yes, we're the same person that we were before the baptism, but we're marked as part of the, uh, the liturgy, the priest uh, dips his thumb into holy chrism and makes a sign of the cross on the forehead and says, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit and you are marked as Christ's own forever. That's powerful stuff. And every time I have the privilege of doing that, whether it be to a, an infant or a young person or an adult, it really makes me stop and think about the weight of what I'm doing, just like the weight of those hands on my head when I was ordained. And so baptism makes us something new. What does it make us? It makes us brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. It grafts us into his family. It makes us heirs of eternal life. But it also gives us a responsibility as Christians to imitate our brother and our master, Jesus Christ, and to go out into the world and do his work until he comes again. And now I have to say, I love the uh, very long hymn that we sang at the beginning of the service today um, for one reason, because it is sung at every ordination, pretty much. And so priests everywhere get a little misty-eyed thinking about their own ordination and those of all their friends that they attended from seminary. But it's also a very appropriate hymn for this idea of baptism and this idea of becoming something different. Because, uh, as I said, we go down one thing, we come up another. And I will just finish by saying, uh, reading you the last verse of the hymn, which really encapsulates what, it, what happens to us when we change, when we become Jesus' brother or sister. I bind unto myself the name, the strong name of the Trinity, by invocation of the same, the three in one and one in three, of whom all nature hath creation, eternal Father, Spirit, Word. Praise to the Lord of my salvation. Salvation is of Christ the Lord. In the baptism of Christ, we are grafted into eternity. We become a part of something much bigger than ourselves that we can't see or can't begin to comprehend. We also become part of a family here on earth. And so let's, as we go forth and consider Christ's baptism and our own baptisms, whether we remember them or not, the weight of that, uh, the weight of that, but also the joy of it, the invitation that Christ gives us to come unto him and to lead others as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.